0: If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to John 16 or in the bulletins, as is your preference. Today we're going to finish John 16, and as I read this passage for us uh, in just a moment, you're going to see that there are any number of verses that we can kind of park on in this section of Scripture, and it would be delightful to do so. In other words, There are inexhaustible, nearly, themes here that we could consider for uh, preaching and contemplation this morning, from prayer to uh, suffering to faith uh, to joy and love all of them, and peace are found in the text that is before us this morning. There's no way I could do justice to them all. And so I've chosen this morning to focus on the phrase that begins our reading. It really begins this concluding section of the farewell discourse of Jesus, our Lord. And that phrase that we'll focus on this morning is, a little while grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our god shall endure forever it will never fade let's hear this portion of god's word then a little while and you will see me no longer and again a little while and you will see me so some of his disciples said to one another what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? Would you not know what he is talking about? Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you were asking yourself, what I meant by saying a little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, And you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And have come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered that. Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Lord Jesus, speak to us today from this word, a word given at a heightened moment before your death to your disciples, through them, now to us. Open it for us so that our hearts would rejoice in you, in your name, amen. The phrase... A little while. When you say that phrase, a little while, it seems so innocent. It seems so innocuous. It's such a simple little phrase, a little while. It's so very common. We use it all the time. When are you going to be done? I'll be done in a little while. When will dinner be ready? A little while when are we going to get there? A little while. When are you coming home? A little while. It is common, to be sure, but as we just read, it is a puzzle to the disciples when Jesus says it at exactly this moment. Seven times, seven times between verses 16 through 19, that phrase is repeated, a little while and and it isn't the first time that Jesus has used the phrase for example back in John 7 verse 33 he's speaking to the pharisees he says i will be with you a little longer and then i'm going to him who sent me in chapter 12 jesus said the light is among you for a little while longer Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. And most immediately, the phrase was used at the beginning of this farewell discourse of our Lord. In chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus says, Little children, yet a little while, I am with you. And then in chapter 14, verse 19, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. The disciples, even if, even if they couldn't make complete sense of what Jesus was saying at this point, they understood that whatever he's saying and whatever he means by it, it's important because it keeps getting repeated and he himself keeps repeating it. But of course, they also recognize that there's a certain level of ambiguity in the phrase itself, right? The phrase itself begs some question. In, in particular, the question that it begs is, how long's a little while? What, what do you mean by a little while? And all of us can imagine someone saying to us a little while, and all of us can imagine ourselves thinking, okay, what does a little while mean here? When is this going to take place? And in this context, the event itself is a little bit unclear as well. And the point of what Jesus is saying is also unclear. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, in a little while, and you will see me. I want to ask three questions then of our text this morning. First of all, what is the time frame? that Jesus is referring to here? And what's the event that he is referring to when he is talking about this? Secondly, I want to ask what the significance of that is. And finally, then, what's the takeaway? What's the takeaway, of course, for those who were originally listening to Jesus, the 11 who were listening to him here? What's the takeaway for us as we listen in on this conversation? So first, then, here's the question. What is the time And what's the event that's being referred to here? Now, before we try to answer that question, I want us to appreciate a little bit of after-the-fact clarity that we bring to even our consideration of it today. I I hope in just a few moments to confuse you a little bit about this uh, text and allow us to enter into their confusion. But even if we get confused, We won't be as confused as they are. We've got some after-the-fact clarity about what is taking place here. And they have an understandable level of perplexity, of bewilderment, in terms of what Jesus is talking about in the timing and what he's talking about in the event itself. So let's just appreciate that for a moment. In the first place, we can appreciate it because Jesus himself says that he has been speaking to them in figures of speech, right? That's what it says in verse 25. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming, and I tell you it's now coming now that I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I'll speak to you plainly, and I'll tell you about the Father plainly. So give them a break. That is to say, give the disciples a break here in, in their failure to comprehend exactly what he is saying, because Jesus is saying, I'm not making it all clear to you right now. And the reality is, when we ask, well, why is that? Why would Jesus be saying that? That's because understanding and comprehension requires the accomplishment of the event to which he is referring. It's going to have to be done before they can understand what is taking place. Uh, Imagine, imagine a scenario where someone is trying, you're doing something complex and you're in the process of doing something complex, and someone comes up to you and says, what are you doing and why are you doing that? And you respond to them with, you'll see. You'll see. Because you know that the complexity right now is not possible for them to understand, especially it might be a child. You'll see. And, and that's a little bit of what is going on here as well. There's something that is about to happen that is so incomprehensible to them right now that we need to get beyond the event so that he can explain. Just like you'll see. And once you see, then you go back and you explain. All right, here's what has taken place. And if you think about it, that's exactly, and I don't want you to turn here right now, but that's exactly what we see Jesus doing, for example, in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 contains, of course, the resurrection and the disciples who are on the road to Emmaus, and as they're on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is explaining to them all the things that there are to know and understand from the scriptures about the Messiah. Then he comes to all of the disciples in the room, and he explains to them the things in scripture concerning himself, why it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and die and to raise again on the third day. In one sense, it's a fulfillment of exactly what Jesus says here. There's going to be a time coming when I will explain this to you, when I will speak in a way that is plain so that you can understand it. Luke 24 is a fulfillment of that very thing. But if you recall Luke 24, Jesus doesn't only explain these things to them. He, and this is what the text says, He opened their minds to understand what was written about him in the scriptures. And what I want to emphasize there is that there's a supernatural work in addition to just let me explain it to you in plain words, there's a supernatural work that needs to be done by God to explain the events that are about to or from the Luke 24 perspective have taken place. And in fact, that uh, explanation, and we've seen this already in this final discourse from Jesus, depends not only on Jesus opening their minds by explaining the words to them and supernaturally assisting them to understand, it takes place through the giving of the Spirit as well, right? The Spirit of truth will come. Uh, Jesus will give that. And thus, this revelatory, this inspired work of the Spirit upon these 11 men in particular, as the apostles, as those who will found the church, it is necessary for those things to take place before they can comprehend. All of that is simply so that we can appreciate the confusion of these men at this moment. Don't be too hard on them we too would have been completely baffled about what Jesus was saying at this particular time. So, now let's ask the question, what does he mean? What's he talking about when he says, a little while? All right, I'm going to give you three options, three possibilities for what Jesus is talking about at this particular moment when he says, a little while. In the immediate context, in just a little while, and that is to say, in about an hour, in about an hour, Jesus will be taken from them. Okay? He will be arrested. He will be taken away from them. He will be tried. He will be killed. He will be buried. And they will, and this is just following the trajectory of the text here, they will weep and they will lament because that has taken place. It will groan in that little while. And then in just a little while, so the first little while would be an hour. The next little while is about three days from now. In just a little while, he will rise from the dead, he will appear to them, and they will rejoice. So option number one is Jesus is talking about his impending arrest, death, and then his resurrection, his return to them in just a little while. Option number two, the little while here till his departure from them, is actually a reference to the ascension. That Jesus is going to be taken up and lifted up from off of the earth. From the earth. Taken away. And then in a little while, we will see him again. But that seeing him again is through the giving of the Spirit. The ascension being 40 days from the resurrection of Christ. And then Pentecost being another 10 days after that, a little while, and you will see me once again. We know, and we've seen this through the discourse, that the work of the Spirit is to shine the light on Christ. So our ability to see Christ by faith is because of the work of the Holy Spirit, option number three. So it would still be that the first little while refers to the ascension, and the second little while, you will see me again, is that we will see him again, and we will rejoice in his return in glory. And then eternity with Jesus, which was the hope that was expected at the very beginning of this dialogue. That's not out of context. In John chapter 14, that's what he said to them. I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't come with me right now, but I will go, and I will return, and when I will return... I will take you to be where I am, and so you will always be with me. So Jesus could be referring a little while to the time then of his return when he comes once again in glory. Three options for us to consider, and all of them have very strong points, very strong contextual points to be able to be, to be made with reference to how we would understand the words in just a little while but allow me to make it even a little bit more complex for us to add something else to the phrase a little while. The phrase has a taproot. A little while has a taproot. Now, it's common, and it can be used in all sorts of circumstances and have no significance beyond the moment, but in this setting, has a taproot. You know what a taproot is, right? Some plants just have roots that kind of come out every rich direction underneath them, and other plants have a long taproot. And the, the roots, generally speaking, come off of the taproot. Jesus is tapping into the taproot of this phrase here. And it's used, and I mean what I mean by the taproot is that a little while is a phrase that is used throughout the Old Testament, particularly in prophetic literature, to get God's people's attention so that we are ready in just a little while. What God is going to do. There are a number of places that I could turn to for this, but for the sake of brevity, all I want to do this morning is note Isaiah 26, which is the passage that we read earlier. And uh, Blake emphasizes it a little bit in the way that he read it in verse 20. It says, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. And of course, the, the, the other metaphor that's used in that text that Jesus is picking up on as well is the metaphor of a woman who is pregnant with child, and there's labor, and then there's the actual delivery that takes place in just a little while. So, the idea in the Old Testament, if we looked at other passages as well, is what's going to happen in a little while? And the answer is twofold in the Old Testament. The answer is what's going to happen in a little while is the judgment of God upon the enemies of God. And what's going to happen in just a little while is the salvation of the people of God. And in particular, in Isaiah 26, it's the salvation of the people of God in the form of resurrection that's going to happen in just a little while. Get ready for that to come. So Jesus, in saying this at this moment, is tapping into that, and he's telling them, get ready for that day, for the last day, for those last days. It's coming in just a little while. And so, When we try and make sense of these options, I don't know how we can't see it and how they couldn't understand it even after the fact, as referring immediately to the arrest, death, burial of Jesus followed by his resurrection. That's the foundation of everything else. That is the new birth, the dawning of the age of the new birth, Jesus being then the firstborn from among the dead. It's the time when joy breaks in. But we also have to see it in, in light, I think, of the ascension as well. There, there frankly, are some uh, theologians who look at this passage and say it has to be only referring to the death and then the resurrection of Jesus when they will see him in a little while. Frankly, I look at it and go, I don't know how it can only be referring to that. Because Jesus himself is clearly talking in ascension language also. In just a little while, that ascension is going to take place. His mission of salvation will be accomplished, and then it will go out from there. Verse 28, Jesus summarizes his entire ministry on earth. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. That's uh, in in language from Ephesians 4 that Rob uh, looked at a couple of weeks ago for us. That's describing the descent and then the ascent of Jesus back to the right hand of God the Father. So the ascension is part of this as well, and that allows the Spirit to come with power in a wide distribution in the enlargement of salvation that will happen in just a little while with Pentecost. And then, of course, if you look at this... In context, how can it not be talking about uh, the fact that Jesus will return to earth in just a little while in glory and in power? And so the last days have been brought into the now with the death and resurrection of our Lord. So then, what I want to suggest to us is that the timing is immediate in its reference when he says a little while, but it is also eternal. The event in view is the culmination of the saving work of Jesus Christ. So then let's ask this question. What's the significance of that? Okay, what, what's the significance of in a little while this is going to take place? It's a way that Jesus is saying to them, friends speaking to the disciples. That's the language that he used in John chapter 15. We are on the cusp of the salvation that I'm bringing to my people. The cusp of glory. And we need to live in light of that because what it means in the first place is that there are tough days ahead. Tough days ahead for the people of God. Days that he describes of weeping and lament. Days of pain, like a woman in labor. Days of tribulation. Days of scattering. Days when at times you, even you disciples, will falter and run to your homes and you will leave me alone. Jesus is saying days like that are coming and and that's a reference to this point. I'm not going to go into it in depth. But when the disciples say, ah, now we know, we understand now, you're speaking plainly to us now, we've got it, we know that you know all things. And Jesus says, oh no, no. you you don't know anything yet. You're going to scatter away from me, you're going to run away from me because these times of tribulation are going to come, days when they will hate you, days when they will put you out of the synagogue, days when they will even kill you, that's where Chapter 16 started, days when they kill me, days of hard toil, but what he says to them is that's not in vain. The toil that you're going to experience, the sorrow, the sadness, the wailing, the lamenting, the labor, it's not in vain because in just a little while, fruit is going to come forth from that. New life will be birthed from that. The kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, will be preached to all the world. It's going to be a productive sorrow. Uh, There is sorrow that leads only to more sorrow, and it leads to wailing, and it leads to hopelessness. Jesus says, the sorrow that you're going to experience is not that kind of sorrow. You are going to experience a sorrow, a pain, and a toil that results in new life coming into the world, in joy coming into your hearts, in prayers being heard in heaven because I am going to my Father in heaven. Peace will come as a result of this sorrow. It's always darkest before the dawn. But Jesus is saying to them, friends, brothers, little children, dawn is coming, Easter morning, will be here in just a little while. Now, I hope that we can hear in Jesus' words here the integrity of the gospel message. There's no pretending in the words of Jesus that everything now is going to be easy, that life is going to be fine, that it's only going to be uninterrupted joy and peace and happiness and all things will always go well. He's saying exactly the opposite of that. There's no denial in the Christian life and in the words of Jesus about the pains, the sorrows, and the tribulations of this world. There's no denial to it. There's affirmation of it But there's also no allowing of those things to own us, to consume us, to dominate us. They exist. They exist in this world, a world of tribulations. But in the midst of it and at the end of it, it's productive. There's a promise of hope and joy that comes on the other side, most fully in Jesus and then to us as well. All right, so finally then this question... What's the takeaway from this? What's the takeaway? In this world, here's the takeaway, every single generation of the followers of Yahweh are called to live in the time frame of just a little while. The saints of the Old Testament were called to live in that time frame. The disciples were told to live like that. And you and I are told to live in light of with the perspective of in just a little while. The disciples in particular had the awful days between the cross and the resurrection, but we have it as well. In our lives, there will be much troubled water, turbulent water, sorrowful water. I've talked with many of you over the past couple of weeks, you've expressed fears and discouragements and things that have taken place in your lives that are described in these words but not categorically as this time of lament, this time of weeping, this time of sorrow. There are those of us right now who are afraid, afraid for the, 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 the place where we see a nation going afraid for things that with respect to the pandemic, people that we've lost in our lives, there will be much troubled water. Jesus knows that, and he knew it was true for himself, and he knew it was true for the disciples, and he's trying to say to them, when that comes, don't forget, I told you this would be the reality. Verse 4 of chapter 16, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So, so what's the tribulation? What's the trial that took place in your life this past week? Or the ones that will come up? Or in this past year? Jesus says, I know it. I know those things are coming. Listen to me, Christian, he says. In this world, you will have tribulation." In me, you will have peace. Listen to the way the writer of the book of Hebrews addresses this to people. This is from chapter 10, starting at verse 32. He says to them, but recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, that is, after you became a believer in Christ, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So he's talking about them when, listen, you became believers, and your life was not easy. They were plundering your property, people were suffering, and then he quotes this so that they get the point. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. He's quoting Habakkuk. He's quoting Habakkuk there, and Habakkuk himself says this, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, if a little while seems slow to you, here's the biblical counsel. Wait for it. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. That's the call to the people of God. In a little while, The full accomplishment and the full gifting of all of the promises from Jesus Christ will take place. And for a little while, you're going to have to endure patiently, confidently, with resiliency in our lives for just a little while. And so, the takeaway that Jesus gives to them and the takeaway that he gives to us is take heart. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Take heart. Be of good cheer is a a verb that only occurs in the imperative voice in the New Testament, usually on the lips of Jesus. To a paralytic, Jesus says, take heart. Be of good cheer. To a woman with a bloody discharge, Jesus says to her, Take heart, be of good cheer. To the disciples who were on the sea in a boat and they see Jesus approaching to them and they're absolutely terrified, he says to them, Take heart, be of good cheer. To Paul in prison, Jesus appears to him and says, Paul, it's going to get a little bit tougher. I need you to go to Rome. I need to take you to Rome. But before that, he says, take heart. Be of good cheer to all then who endure tribulation. Our Lord Jesus is about to endure it. These men who were his followers are about to endure it. To us who are about to endure it for a little while, the message is take heart. I have overcome the world. Lord, help us to do that. Uh, these words may be complex in the time frame, but we recognize the victory that you have achieved on the cross, and we know that our lives now in this world are shaped by the cross, and we know the reality that in this world we will have tribulation. But in the perspective of eternity, it's just for a little while. And even now, peace and joy have broken in. And so we pray that you would help us as your people to take heart, knowing that you have overcome the world. Lord, be with us to that end. We pray in your name. Amen.